Hi, this is Sue Burke. Welcome to my podcast. I think it's safe to say that most of us would like to find ways to be happier. Happiness is like a battery-powered laptop. We need recharging if we're to remain in a positive mental state. Let's take a look at brain science and emotions and find out how to be happier. Psychologists say we have six basic emotions. Happiness, sadness, surprise, fear, disgust, and anger. All of our other emotions are built from these six universal emotions. As an aside, for the writers and the intrigued observers among us, I've adapted a chart from Cornell University with motion cues. So what are emotions? In 1937, neuroanatomist James Papez described what came to be known as the Papez circuit. The Papez circuit consisted of a group of structures that Papez hypothesized were the anatomical basis of emotions. I have the original article link on my website if you'd like to read it. The diverse group of structures that Papez outlined in his paper is now known as the limbic system. Flash forward almost 100 years. Many scientists argue that saying something as complex as emotion is handled by one group of brain structures is an oversimplification. The limbic system is thought to be involved in much more than emotion. There was a surprising lack of consensus on which structures are part of the limbic system. So I want to give you a quick rundown of the limbic system. And forgive me for my mispronunciations. The amygdala is a collection of nuclei, nuclei found in the temporal lobe, which helps coordinate responses to things in your environment, especially those that trigger fearful and anxious emotions. The hippocampus is associated more with preserving and retrieving memories than emotions. It is still considered part of the limbic system. The parahippocampal gyrus is an area of the cerebral cortex that plays a role in memory. It also impacts mood, motivation, and judgment. The cingulate gyrus is involved in various aspects of emotion and memory, also impacting mood, motivation, and judgment. The septal nuclei are thought to be especially important to pleasure, reward, and reinforcement. Mammillary bodies are two groups of nuclei that are involved in memory and have extensive connections with the amygdala and hippocampus. The fornix is a fiber bundle that carries information from the hippocampus to the mammillary bodies and then on to the thalamus. The hypothalamus controls hormone release via the anterior pituitary and it can exert widespread influence over bodily states, mostly to maintain homeostasis. A neurotransmitter is a chemical substance released by a neuron. Neurotransmitters are used to communicate with other neurons. We use our awareness of neurochemical transmission to design drugs, investigate the causes of disease, and improve our comprehension of behavior. Trying to correlate any neurotransmitter to one function is an oversimplification, but I'll give it a go. Cortisol is produced in the adrenal glands. It has a number of effects on the body that are thought to be carried out in order to help the body deal with a stressor that lasts longer than a few minutes. Cortisol increases blood pressure and cardiac output, providing more blood to your skeletal muscles in case the stressor you're dealing with involves some sort of physical exertion, like running from an axe murderer.
When pathways that release cortisol are stimulated too much, for example, in someone who faces extreme stress on a daily basis, this can lead to physical and psychiatric problems. High cortisol levels are implicated in mood disorders like depression. Dopamine is the famous neurotransmitter. Its contribution to processing rewarding experiences is much more complex than a simple equation of dopamine equals pleasure. Dopamine has too many functions for me to list, but they include movement, reward, memory, attention, sleep, regulation, motivation, and many more. Serotonin is formed from the precursor tryptophan. Tryptophan is an essential amino acid, meaning we must get it from our food. So eat your egg whites, soybeans, sesame seeds, milk, rice, and dark chocolate. Serotonin is often linked to mood. In truth, serotonin's role is complex. There's a long list of serotonin's functions too, including appetite, blood clotting, and sleep, and in many cases not totally understood. Norepinephrine is a hormone, acts as a hormone as, as a brain neurotransmitter. It plays critical roles in the nervous system function. It is associated with arousal, alertness, and attention. Like any neurotransmitter, the actions of norepinephrine depend on the type of receptor it activates and where the receptor is located. Norepinephrine is produced from dopamine in a reaction catalyzed by an enzyme. If you want to read more about enzymes, I have a post on my website that's very interesting. Oxytocin is a peptide hormone and neuropeptide. That means a hormone that can act as a neurotransmitter. I don't know why we need to make it complicated, but apparently we do. Oxytocin is thought to have a variety of effects ranging from increasing uterine contractions during labor to influencing social interactions. It's very interesting because some research suggests oxytocin is involved with trust, empathy, and social bondings. These findings have caused some to call oxytocin the trust hormone. Some researchers have found oxytocin to be associated with negative emotions and aggression. Still others hypothesize that oxytocin might be involved in promoting responsiveness to social cues, cues in general, whether they be positive or negative. The true range of effects on behavior for oxytocin clearly is still unclear. How about endorphins? They are peptide neurotransmitters and, and hormones produced in the central nervous system by the pituitary. Endorphins are a class of substances called endogenous opioids. Endogenous means produced by the body, and opioids is tacked onto the name because they bind to the same receptors that opioid drugs bind to. By binding to opioid receptors, beta-endorphin can elicit natural pain-relieving effects that have, been more, that have been found to be more potent than morphine. Its best understood effect is natural pain inhibition. Endorphin is released during stress and thought to play a role in the stress response. Endorphins are also thought to interact with the dopamine system and be involved with rewarding experiences. Some research suggests endorphins play a role in the positive effects exercise can have on mood. I seem to qualify everything I say. In truth, the role of beta-endorphin is in positive mood states is still not fully understood. 
Now that we've got the brain science and emotions knocked down, let's look at how we can use it to make ourselves happier. Leading behavioral research shows that as much as 70% of our thoughts are negative. After all, two-thirds of the basic emotions are negatives. Human brains have a negativity bias, which is rooted in our ancestral need for survival. We continually scan our environment for threats. Negative thoughts outnumber our positive thoughts daily, and negative thoughts have a greater impact on us than positive thoughts. But bearing the weight of negativity can be exhausting. Negative thoughts often provide constant worry leading to anxiety that make it difficult to be self-aware and to relax. Our negative thoughts bring our failings into focus and make us unsure about our abilities. Thinking negatively can make situations seem worse than they really are in any given moment. Our mind, because of negativity bias, tends to make unfair judgments about our behavior, our integrity, and the possibilities that may be right in front of us. Okay, so brain science tells us negative emotions are ingrained in our chemistry. We need to fight our built-in negativity bias to be happier. Here's another fact. Proven by science, our brains are neuroplastic. Neuroplastic means if we repeat positive ideas and thoughts to ourselves often enough, we'll begin to believe them. Let's concentrate on the other 33% of our thoughts, the positive ones, instead. Methodically developing positive self-talk feeds your brain the positivity that it needs to drown out the negative. Having positive thoughts affects how you think and hope, how you think and cope with stress. People who have more positive thoughts tend to feel more life satisfaction. They found a way to be happier. All right, now that we know the science behind emotions and we know positive self-talk works, let's look at 23 ways I've researched to be happy. Let's start with the first one on my list. I do love a list. Reframe the negative thought. Accept negative feelings, thoughts, or sensations. Label them and verbally express them, such as, I can't handle this. Reframe the thought. I've gone through a tough time before and found a way through it. I can handle this as well. We don't want all that excess cortisol release. Have a more open mind. Be open to new places, people, and experiences. When you're flexible and open to change, your happiness can increase. Number three, chat with acquaintances. Even social interactions with more peripheral members of our social networks contribute to our well-being. If you're at the park, talk about how your dog got into the garbage or your kid ate 14 marshmallows while you took a nap. It will make you feel happier. Number four, chat with strangers. It may sound strange to you, but you'll feel part of a greater community if you make connections. Even chatting at the grocery store about how green the broccoli is increases your happiness. If you want to know why you like or don't like broccoli, I have a really interesting post on my website. Number five, make eye contact. If striking up a conversation seems daunting, simple eye contact offers benefits too. A Purdue University psychologist studied how people felt when a subject walked past and either made eye contact, made eye contact while smiling, or completely ignored them. Even brief eye contact increased people's sense of inclusion and belonging. Number six, put down that smartphone in public. Sure, we're connected to others through our smartphones, and I am guilty as charged. But this constant connection has a strange effect. 
It diminishes our connection with the people in our immediate social world. Using your smartphone sends a signal that you're not interested in interacting with the people around you. Say hello. Now that the COVID restrictions are lifting, we may actually share elevators with strangers again. The next time you walk into an elevator, make eye contact. Just saying hello or good morning can put a smile on someone else's face and make you feel better too. Number eight, offer a compliment. Making someone else feel better can put a smile on your face, as I said. Number nine, go to the library. The quiet calm of a library, the smell of all the books, and the possibilities for adventure are waiting for you there. Neuroscience hypothesizes that reading increases functional connectivity with the visual cortex. It's actually proven to make you smarter if you read fiction. And I have a post with some links to uh, research on my website. And if you feel smart, you feel more confident. Plus, you can chat with the librarian. Number 10, read. When we read, our brains release several neurotransmitters. Oxytocin, oxytocin is one. Through building this sense of connection to the characters, we often don't know where our feelings end and their feelings begin. This can help us feel more connected and less lonely as we realize that we are all human beings who experience a wide range of emotions. Number 11, tell a story. The brain of the person telling a story actually syncs with the listener. Stories help us feel a greater sense of connection to one another. They can increase our empathy and often help reinforce our highest ideals such as compassion and kindness. Number 12, help your kids and grandkids become better readers, if you have grandkids. Improving reading skills in young children causes the brain to physically rewire itself, creating new white matter. This improves communication within the brain too. I have several book recommendations on my website. Number 13, soak up the sun. Seasonal affective disorder causes symptoms of depression in the fall and winter when daylight is less abundant. Research indicates that SAD is linked to lower levels of serotonin. This disorder affects 5% of Americans and can last for up to 40% of the year, depending on where you live. Okay, that's a lot of math, so just get out into the sun. Number 14, exercise. I know you're rolling your eyes. As we talked about above, exercise is thought to release beta endorphin. I have a hefty PDF link that goes over it in detail, but exercise will improve your mood. HIT or high intensity workouts are proven especially effective in endorphin release. Number 15, declutter. I hate to give Marie Kondo a nod, but order and organization brings a sense of well-being. Number 16, decorate with only things you love. Don't keep staring at that hated poster on your wall. Get rid of it. Have things around you that make you smile. If you're surrounded with things you love, it will bring you happiness. If you don't like something, donate it. It will feel cathartic to clear it away. Plus, you'll help someone else who may like the item. Number 17, get enough rest and don't use electronics close to bedtime. The hormone melatonin is derived from serotonin. Nighttime melatonin production is stimulated by neural input from a structure in the brain called the suprachiasmatic nucleus, which acts as a master circadian clock. Its production can be inhibited by exposure to blue wavelength light, which is part of the reason for advice to avoid using electronic devices close to bedtime. Number 18, 
believe this. Neuroplasticity to the rescue. Once you open your mind to the idea you can be happier, you will have started on the path. Number 19, practice. Once you find things that make you happy, repeat them daily. Whatever they are, keep doing them. Number 20, I have a post that will help. Only six words and post-it notes and you can change your week. Maybe this will work for you. You can see the post on my website. Number 21, meditate. Mindfulness can help relieve stress, quiet your mind, improve your focus, and boost your self-esteem. It helps to clear your mind so you can recognize and better control those negative thoughts. 22, make others happy. For example, you can subscribe to my newsletter. Go to www.susanburkcook.com and sign up. You'll make me happy. Actually, there is a phenomenon called helper's high. It's a feeling of euphoria that happens when you do a charitable deed. This theory is that acts of kindness release endorphins. And last, treat yourself. Eating a piece of dark chocolate, listening to music, or watching a favorite TV show releases endorphins too. Much as I love chocolate, this isn't exactly what I had in mind when I started writing this post because these aren't active solutions. That said, doing those things will make you happier. There's a recent body of research on telomeres, the end caps of our genes, which shows that long-term stress not only shortens these end caps, it can also lead to an earlier death. Developing a positive emotional state, be it from volunteering, a smile at the coffee shop, a chat in the line at Trader Joe's, exercise reading or meditation, may increase the likelihood of you sticking around a while longer. If you've got a strong negativity bias, I feel for you. You certainly aren't alone. It gets tiring, but keep fighting. Focus on the positive and reframe. The time to be happy is right now. Thanks so much for stopping by and listening to my podcast. Have a great day. Hope to see you again soon. Take care.